very, very, very good evening. Can you see me? Oh, yeah, I, I, you can see me. Can I see you? <laughs> it's very nice to be here. And uh, it's very humbling to be here. I, uh, this, is a, this is a beautiful, beautiful church. It's a beautiful church. And it's a great honor to be here. And whilst it's a, a big church, a good-sized church, just a sense that it's the beginning of what God's got for this beautiful, beautiful church. And it's great to, to see it and be part of it. And thank you for, the, uh, honestly, the privilege of being in your home, being your friends. Kathy sends her love. And, and can I honestly say, I absolutely love Bulawayo. I think it is an amazing city. And, and I think, I understand a tiny little bit of the issues and I don't have to live with them, so I can't pretend to, you know. But what I, what I can say is this is a very beautiful city and it has an open heaven and there's the peace of God here and it's a beautiful place. And it's a beautiful church that God has established and is continuing continue to establish. So there's very, very much to rejoice in Christ about in this place. And I'm very, very humbled. I always wanted to come to Zimbabwe, even as a little boy. Ten years in South Africa, I could never afford to be here because of the way life was. And now, here I am, boyhood dream, third time in Zimbabwe. I am deeply grateful to God, and I'm deeply humbled, and I'm deeply, deeply grateful to be here. So, we're going to talk tonight about leadership. If I can do this with that. And something that is incredibly important. So, Father, I pray you'd help us, Father God, to listen, to hear, to do, to be. But I pray, Father, my prayer is that you, God, the Holy Spirit, would stir us. Not me, because who am I? I'm useless. But you, Holy Spirit, would stir us into desiring to be leaders in whatever capacity that you're going to be calling us and have called us into. And I pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. So talking about um, leadership in the church. But the principles apply to leadership in absolutely any walk of life but particularly because we're in church, talking about leadership in the church. Just where you are, just receive that the presence of God is here so tangibly. So just breathe Him in. Just enjoy God's presence. Refreshing. Peace, encouraging. Feel God's love. God's affirmation. His kindness. He's for you. He's with you. He wants to stir you into more action for Him. Lovingly. 
the sense of calling tonight, calling you tonight, calling you forth, calling you forward, calling you into his plans and purposes for you. So we just thank you, Father. World, worldwide feedback from an organization called E21, which was in Power 21, and their vision is that by 2030, every person on earth would have had a tangible experience with the Holy Spirit. They did a survey of many, many thousands of people, churchgoers from many, 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 many churches. And, uh, and interestingly, here was a list of six things that they came back with. The first one was a need, in talking about in church, a need for leadership that has transparency, integrity, purity, and truthfulness. And truth means utterly, I'm now adding to this what they said, but truth means utterly genuine, sincere, and honest. They were looking for leaders that were utterly genuine, utterly sincere, and utterly honest. They weren't necessarily looking for leaders that were the most gifted, or the most this, or the most that, or the most charismatic, or the best speakers. They were looking for people utterly genuine, sincere, and honest. We need to cherish truth. And that includes doing truth, and speaking truth in absolutely every single thing that we do. Speaking truth and doing truth in every, every area and every endeavor in our lives. And if we aspire to be leaders of our families, sometimes that's thrust upon us, but as leaders of our families, leaders of ourselves, leaders in work, but talking about leaders in church, we need to be utterly, ruthlessly, genuine, sincere, and honest. That is what people are looking for. People of good character. Second thing that they were looking for, a worldwide need for biblical literacy. An understanding of the Bible. The people in the churches around the world are crying out for an understanding of the Word of God. So leaders, in whatever capacity in the church, need to be studying so that they can be equipped, so that they can give people the Word of God. Not good ideas, not the latest thing, not some intellectual preach or talk, or so, just the Word of God. Line by line, precept by precept, just the word of God. We need to, I'm digressing slightly, but I am utterly convinced that we need to be teaching our children in our homes and in our churches, and I'm sure you do that here, the Bible stories, the stories of Noah, the stories of whatever it might be, that from a very little age, getting into them the word of God. Now, I am a charismatic, I am a Pentecostal, I was saved into a Pentecostal church. I am a Pentecostal who has been and has led charismatic churches. 
But that's not the main thing. The main thing is Jesus, good leadership, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit. There's so many Sunday schools or kids' churches I go to, they follow these programs which are teaching children to pray in tongues, and that's good, but they're not teaching them Bible stories. And there's programs out there digressing a need for biblical literacy, a cry of the church-going people, honest, good leadership, biblical literacy. Third thing, cry in their hearts for spiritual fathers and mothers. That's why things like home groups or life groups or cell groups are so important. That's why it's so important that elders of the church nurture and care and love. And in our friendship groups that we mother and father and look after the younger. And actually, an older man can be fathered by a younger man. But mothering and fathering. Here you have the most incredible patriarch and his wife. So privileged to be led by this couple. But we need to aspire, if we desire leadership, aspire to these things that we will care for and love and, 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 and see people looked after. Fourth thing, a need for resources in the church. And I know that's probably very relevant in Zimbabwe. But a need for resources in the church. Financial resources, practical training. But I do believe that this church will be, for want of a better word, a sending church and a base church and a supply church or whatever terminology, an Antioch, to use a biblical term, an Antioch-type church, an Ephesus-type church that resources and sends. I believe that's part of your calling and destiny here. And it's already happening, but it will happen in a greater way. And people say, well, no, no. You don't understand, David. No, I don't understand. But I do understand when God calls something, he does it. And I do understand that the miracle is in the house. As we teach biblical tithing and offering, which I know is done, and so on and so forth, and generosity, and, and, and then there's a supernatural of God. But this is going to be a place to resource others. And of course, those of us and other churches that are in places where there is higher income, then those churches need to be resourcing these churches here as well, of course. And I know you understand this, and I know that you do this, but I just feel compelled to say this, that the miracle is in the house. God will do it from here. Of course, with some help from overseas, the miracle is in the house. And there will be more than enough to supply and of course that involves us as leaders and as a congregation rearranging our whole financial understanding in our lives as well. And we know in the Bible that the Philippian church had nothing but they gave lots to Paul for his work. Fourth, sorry, the fifth thing that people cried out for was leadership training. Isn't that interesting? Thousands of people cried out that they needed leadership training. There's such a need to train leaders. Because when we are trained and then released, 
We're never fully ready in God's kingdom for what God's preparing us for. Otherwise, it would be easier. There's always that gap where we don't quite know enough and we're released into things so that we struggle and then grow and then fly. Like the little bird being flicked out the nest by the mother bird. It thinks it's going to crash, but no, it gets its wings out. We never know enough. God releases us in that place of not knowing enough, but that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be much leadership training at every single level. Because if we prepare people, God opens the opportunities, we can release people into stuff. And then they walk into their, start talking to their fulfillment and they take responsibility and they start to grow and they start to blossom. The sixth thing, which may not be uh, relevant here at the moment, and hopefully it will never be relevant, and I'm not sure about Zimbabwe, but certainly in the part of the world that I live in and a lot of the parts of the world that I have the privilege of traveling to, the sixth biggest cry for help is what to do about Islam in the, world's, the churches around the world. Islam, what to do with it? I tell you, before it gets a foothold here, and I don't know what state it is here, but get the word of God out. Like we're saying on Sunday, just start telling everybody you can about Jesus Christ. Because it's a wicked, demonic, horrendous, demonic spirit, isn't it? It sits on countries and on people and it just strains the life out of them. Living in Islamic nations, the life gets sucked out of it. Some of them have got lots of money, so it looks good. But underneath, it's very black. Some, like Pakistan, I go to is just miserable, gray, and dusty in the spirit and in life. So just maybe something to bear in mind. So as a local church, what sort of things are we hoping to see? Uh, and I know, although I haven't specifically spoken to Vessi about this, and Vessi's at any point, or any of the elders at any point are welcome to leap up and take the microphone off me and say, I'm wrong, but this is what I think. But generally, and by the way, when I am here, I am absolutely under the authority of the elders. So if you elders are not in any way happy with what I say, you can stop me at any point on anything. I'm under your authority. But as a local church, what are local churches trying to achieve? Trying to achieve, the first thing, a significant change in the spiritual climate over this city and this region. Change from Religion to Jesus Christ, relationship with Jesus Christ. Second thing, see many, 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 see many, 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 see many, see many, many people saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and given biblical literacy from very early in their Christian walk. 
saved, properly saved, under the true gospel, that this thing is going to cost you your life. Baptized in water as soon as possible after salvation. Filled with the Holy Spirit and then taught to be a disciple. Follow me and I will make disciples of men. Immediately they followed Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, implicit in that, you become like Jesus. And if you become like Jesus, as you're following Jesus, and you become like Jesus, you start to automatically do the things that Jesus does. And what did Jesus do? He loved people. He told them the word of God. Some people helped, hated him and killed him eventually. But some followed him and that we the same with us. Follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. It's not you might be or you could be or that if you get a degree in theology that you maybe might be. Or if you sit in church enough, you may. No, no, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Finished, over and out, clear. That's it. We become like Jesus. And that is what discipleship is. And we cannot but help tell others about him. I'm not angry, hey? Is it all right? I'm enthusiastic. Please, I'm not, please if I'm, not, I'm not angry at all. I don't want to be... My, what's really good when Kathy's here, because when I see her frowning at me, I know that I'm uh, getting too enthusiastic. This beautiful thing is, that just this beautiful church that is led so well and Christ is so central and is present in your midst and in our midst, you're poised for this. It's an exciting time. And, and although I am not an expert and I know I don't live here and I know I know that I don't know what you go through, but I do know that when the pressure's on and if we look more to Jesus and as the pressure increases, we look more to Jesus and we follow him even more closely because there's nothing left for us to do, then he starts to move. And we see things happen and we can see the climate change over this nation and over this city as more and more people come to the knowledge of Christ Jesus. What do churches want to do? Let's move on. Talking about leadership. Before we move on, I mean, Jesus Christ is coming back soon. I don't know whether it's in 200 years or 1,000 years or 10 years or tomorrow. I don't think it's going to be that long. Jesus is coming back soon. Who saw the Johnny English movie? I think the first one. Where Johnny English is, I can't remember the story, but at the end of the movie, he pulls down the Archbishop of Canterbury's thing, trousers, and tattooed across the top here of the Archbishop of England in a movie is, look busy, Jesus is coming soon. We need to be busy. Jesus is coming soon. 
Jesus is coming soon for his church. A man called Greenslade. I don't know if you've read any of Greenslade's stuff. Philip Greenslade. One of the best stuff on leadership I've ever, ever read. And he said about Jesus, it was because he knew that good leaders were so vital that the Lord Jesus invested so much time in them. As Robert Coleman put it, if we get the right quality of leadership, the rest will follow. If we don't get it, the rest will have nothing worth following. Leadership is absolutely crucial. And we understand that it's not a hierarchical thing, but yet people need to be led. We know that the church, when Paul writes to the church in Philippi, it consists of the saints together with the elders and deacons, all together as one. Philippians 1.1. 1, 1. Yet we're all together, but there are leaders that God appoints. Leadership is absolutely. Greenslade said this, the church will be what its ministers are. The church does not make such men. It would be truer to say that such ministers make the church. Leadership. Someone said, and I don't know who it was, followers become what you are and not what you say. And we all know that one. Followers become what you are and not what you say. So you can say anything you like that sounds good. You can preach the best messages ever, but they will become what you are and what you say. It's a spiritual thing. So you can look good, but if your heart's rotten, the church is going to be rotten. If the lead guys, the elders, are mean and are not generous, then the church is never going to be a generous church. In any way, spirited, financially, etc. Bill Johnson says, Bill Johnson, Bethel, I'm not a big Bethelite, but I think Bill Johnson's extraordinary. Bill Johnson says, which is, abs you may well have read this, but it's absolutely extraordinary. Bill Johnson says, whatever is in the leader's heart, that's what the church will become. That is an incredible statement. Whatever is in the leaders, the lead elders and the elders, heart, whatever is in the elders' heart, and particularly Vessi is leading the team, whatever is in his heart, that's what the church will become. And that's the extraordinary thing and the trust that Jesus places in men and if they're married, their wives by their side as they lead the church or lead any ministry. What is in your heart, that's what your home group will become or the audiovisual team will become or indeed your family will become or indeed your company will become or whatever area of leadership you're involved in. Of all of the things that, of all, his, of all of Jesus' legacies, all of the things that Jesus left behind, if I can use that, his peace, his joy, his ordinance, ordinance his communion, 
and baptism and, and all of these things, as, as, as wonderful as they are and as important as they are and as crucial as they are, nothing is more important than the leaders that he left behind. Because if those leaders hadn't done with the power of the Holy Spirit what was expected of them, there would have to be another route for us to be sitting here today. As the Father sent me, Jesus said in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. That's true of all of us in our walk. Jesus is sending us to the neighbors and the nations, to our work colleagues and across the horizon. But as Jesus sent those apostles forth, those leaders forth, he's sending them forth today. Peace be with you, Jesus says. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Those words put ex-fishermen, ex-tax collectors, and all the others in line directly with God's mission on earth. Those words put you and I in whatever career job we are in, school, internship, university, leading companies, laboring, those words of Jesus put us in line directly with the mission of Christ Jesus Christ, of of Jesus Christ and his church. And as a leader, it is the most extraordinary privilege to be caught up in this magnificent mission that we have, that we're on. And that this church is on. Very central and crucial, this church, to Jesus' plan. It was Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, and the nations. And God is wanting to stir up leadership in us. We're not all going to be, I don't know, some high-powered person, boy or girl, man or woman. But there's leadership calling in all of us. Are you still with me? Are you sure? I can't see you. Are you you awake? Oh, it's only half people. You okay? Being a leader is about the person. Being a leader is about being you. Being a leader is you and Jesus Christ and your journey with Jesus Christ as you follow him and you're becoming like him in obedience to him, the immediacy of being obedient to Jesus, following him, we become like him. So it's our personality and him through us that we start to influence people. So leadership is not primarily a function, and we know that if we look at the qualifications for elders, those that desire a noble task, it's not those that desire 
a noble title. It's leadership is who we are, and it's expression of who we are. And it's very easy for people to follow you if you'll just be who you are with Jesus. There's never a shortage of people that will follow you if you're called into whatever capacity that is. Let's say it's to lead a home group for a season. If you're called to do that and you are who you are with Jesus, there'll always be more than enough people in your home group. It's when you try to be like somebody next door or the preacher or somebody on TV or something, then it starts to go on because you're not who you are. And understanding leadership is a lifelong process. I was very lucky. My father was a brilliant leader. And some of the, my 35 years of work before, there was an overlap of 9 or 10 years where I was leading the church and working. But something like 35 years of work, I had some incredibly bad leadership models to follow. But I had one or two in the secular world of amazing leadership models for leaders that I followed. So we can learn leadership from everybody, not just from people in church. But we can learn things from people and start to model that in our own world leadership is about leadership is not about I'm the leader leadership is not about I'm the husband family you obey me leadership is not about I'm the church leader so this is what you've got to do leadership is not about it is about giving commands, but it's not about giving commands, waving your finger around and stamping your feet. The moment you do that, you've lost control and people are not going to follow you. Trust me. I've seen it happen so many times. Leadership is about being who you are, secure in Christ, because you're following him and you're spending enough time with him. Leadership... is about imparting your whole life into others. Just as Jesus did. It's t leadership is totally sacrificial. Personal sacrifice. Sure, God will take care of our needs and, and look after us and bless us. And we were talking this morning, some of us, and he will cause us to be successful. All we need to be is try to be fruitful. He will bring success in those things and, and bless us, etc. But that's not what we're about or after. If you want to lead, you've got to say in your heart, it's about, I've got to impart my life into people. So there's got to be something worth imparting. And you only really get that when you start to follow Jesus. But let's look at a couple of scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 1 Thessalonians 2.8 1 Thessalonians 2.8 We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. That's leadership. We loved you so much. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, God's word, the power of God, the truth of Christ, 
but our lives as well, because you'd become so dear to us. Paul. Paul again, 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, and I'm reading a part of 5 and into 6. You know, 1 Thessalonians 1, 5 and 6, I'm reading between 5 and 6. You know how he lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. That's leadership. Leadership is helping people to understand Jesus. So if we... If people can imitate us, this is why it's such a massive responsibility. If people can imitate us, it will go well with them as they follow Christ. That is a massive responsibility. That's why, that I think a truism, what is in the leader's heart, that's what the church will become. Two Corinthians twelve and verse fifteen. Two Corinthians twelve and verse fifteen. Talking about leadership, principles of leadership. God wants to stir up in you and me leaders because this, I'm just, just digressing slightly. If I may say, in this room, there is an extraordinary level of quality, just quality people. I'm tangling up my words. There's extremely high quality people in this room. Extremely high quality people in this room. Much for God to do. 2 Corinthians 15, 12. So I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. If I love you more, will you love me less? Leadership. I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. That's every single thing that Paul had, he was willing to give so that others could benefit. That's leadership. And when leaders start to live like that, and when leaders are called in whatever capacity they're called to, and including if you're a father, you're called to be the father and head of the home. And if you start to live like that, you start to see very, very quickly there's no, there's no more strife in the family. It's the same in the church. If the leaders will lay down their lives, and when they have to issue commands and do things, and when they're preaching God's word and they're teaching and they're sharing, under the Holy Spirit, direction, vision, people follow. Paul told Ephesians to model him. People should be able to model their lives and you and I. People should be able to model their lives on you and on me. That's why the first point there's a cry in the world for leaders that are utterly truthful, utterly transparent, utterly honest. Please turn to Philippians 4, 9. And for me, this is in a, just a tremendous little verse. 
Philippians 4.9. Paul's saying, encapsulating what we've talked about, Philippians 4.9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Wow. I mean, honestly, it gives me absolute goosebumps. That's leadership. Whether you're leading one or many. Whatever you have learned, the teaching, heard, received, lifestyle, gifts, gifting as generosity, whatever you've received, encouragement, admonition, warnings, whatever you've learned, received, heard, or seen in me. Just seen the leader doing something, seen you doing something. Put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Wow. Leadership is about imparting pattern, life, for people to follow, to live. And you don't have to be clever. This is a genius of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be clever. You don't have to... If you're clever, that's great. If you're very intelligent, that's great. If you're not very intelligent, that's fine. That's great. If you have PhD, that's great. If you haven't finished high school, that's great. It doesn't matter to Jesus. It doesn't matter if you've come from rich parents or your parents are destitute. It doesn't matter if you're an orphan or you've come from a healthy home. It just doesn't matter. God called you. We were talking, I think on Sunday, briefly, called you before the time as we know it began and purposed what you would do on earth. Before our time space continuum ever ever was brought into existence in creation I've been talking for about half an hour how much longer should I talk for is that okay no but are you okay I don't want to I don't want to I can't see you fortunately so I don't know if you're sleeping or not but So leadership is not just good theology. It's how, we, how we're walking out that theology and how we're living. And our personalities. Some people are quiet, some people are noisy. It's whoever we are and wherever we've come from. I, I, I think on the first afternoon I told a story of a very, very good friend of mine who's planted many churches in India. Bessie and some of you know them. Tony and Linda Johnson. He was planted in Missouri in the north of India and it was time to ordain some elders and two elders were being ordained. One had a PhD, he was an Irishman I think and he was a lecturer at the, or a teacher at a very prestigious, maybe one of the best schools in India in Missouri, it was in Missouri, a very nice man. And the other guy being ordained as elder was a Nepalese tomato farmer that couldn't speak, couldn't write, couldn't speak English, couldn't write, he walked very badly because I had an accident 
and he's being ordained as an elder side by side with a man with a PhD. The man with a PhD is subsequently retired. He's serving Jesus. He's great. The tomato farmer is a friend of mine, and he has planted, I cannot even count how many churches in Nepal, and hundreds and thousands, or hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have been affected, including me, by his leadership. He, I invited him to preach in the Dower Fellowship in his broken English in the congregation. And he said, who wanted a church plant? And just about two-thirds of the church came forward. Amazing. It's not got anything to do with who we think we are. It's got everything to do with who Jesus knows we are. And we just have to follow Jesus Christ. And we might not all plant churches. Please, I'm not trying to put an expectation on us. It's just an illustration. Do you understand? But we're all going to be involved from this base church in seeing things like that happen. As we start to work out our call, work out our leadership, because you're all called to lead, as we know, even starting with yourself. Lead yourself well. John Piper Amazing man. Ministry is not an office. It's a lifestyle devoted to advancing other people's faith and holiness. Ministry is not an office. It's a lifestyle devoted to advancing other people's faith and holiness. John Piper, again, and, and there's a guy we can listen to, or at least I can. He says, fulfilling, please listen. Please, please listen. Fulfilling your ministry is more important than staying alive. Fulfilling what God's called you to be is more important than staying alive. Acts 20, 24. Acts 20, 24. But I do not. <laughs> the Bible is so good because it just tells the truth if we dare to read it or if I dare to read it but I do not account my life of any value nor myself or nor, nor as precious to myself but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself comma if only I may finish my course and the ministry I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God What we do for Jesus is more important than life. And the world has got it so upside down that we're much more interested in our lives than we are for what Jesus wants to do with it. And you see, the church is looking for those leaders, those men and women, and we understand that in the context of eldership, the eldership is male with the wives by their side if they're married. But women lead in all areas of other areas of ministry in the life of the church. But that's why leadership is so important, so that we model this and we do this, not out of professionalism or out of this is what we should do, because we are following Christ. And that's what Christ expects of us. So those people that are doing that and starting to do that, don't be surprised if you're doing that, that suddenly you're going to be, your call is going to, be upon you to lead and you get other people 
They think life is important and they're quite important and they might be very gifted and they get frustrated and wonder why they're never released into ministries or into things. It's because they're arrogant and proud and they're more interested in themselves and interested in what Christ actually wants them to do. And the church, unfortunately, not this church, but the church, unfortunately, is full of those people. And that is why the church, as we said at the beginning, is crying out for biblical literacy, for good leadership, and for leadership training. Look, we get it wrong at times, say I do. Please, it's a terrible thing having to stand here and speak because I know how often I blow it and I get the wrong attitude and I have to repent. And I, and I, 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 I say it all the time, I, I spend a lot of time every day repenting, minutes and minutes. As soon as I realize, oh God. But the principle is true. And, and people will follow leaders that are real. This is a, these are real, you're so real. And so real, so real. Such, just so blessed to have this man. Called of God from a boy with his incredible, incredible wife at his side, leading you. Make their life a pleasure. Rise up in leadership so that they can release you and the elders can release you into that because one day the day will come when God will move them on into the next thing they have not disconnected necessarily from this church but into the next thing and somebody will have to take this church on who's that going to be the miracle is within the house because we're going to have to let oh, well, these people at some point go the miracle is in the house you don't import some geezer in Guy in. That doesn't very work very often. It's from within the house. Leadership. Major responsibility. A major, a major responsibility. Leadership is personal. Personal but to yourself. And as a leader, personal to others different personalities of course but somehow as a leader you've got to be able to touch people you've got to be able to put somehow your hand in the wool different ways of doing it some people are tactile some people write a note, whatever it is leadership is intimate leadership is the whole you Leadership is a reflection of who you are, of what you know. It's about who you are and what you know in God right now. So if you don't know very much, that's okay. Because we walk with Jesus, we grow, we know more. It, leadership is about what you are and who you are and what you know in one year's time. It'll be more. And your capacity can increase. It grows and changes as you do.
So I'll close. So we need to, our response needs to be active. Or it doesn't have to be active, but if we want to move on with God, our response needs to be active. Desire. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of the heart. Psalm 37.4 Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. And I believe there's people here that they've had desires in their heart, locked in their heart, they've even forgotten from when they were children. As we delight ourselves in the Lord, He gives you the desires of the heart. Honestly, I don't like talking about me because that's not the point. But it's just extraordinary how suddenly our God will give me something and I had completely forgotten that that's something I loved from when I was a little boy. And it's the same in ministry. And, thing. and God puts those desires in our hearts in the first place because we are created by Him for good works in advance. And as we delight ourselves, as we love, as we, we worship and as we spend time with Him and as we cry before Him and we love Him and we delight in Him, He starts to give us the desires of our heart. There has to be a response. Psalm 40 verse 8. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I desire, God, to do your will. I know often I get it wrong. But then like my call, the call of God brings us back. In like, God, I desire to do your will. There needs to be a cry. God, I desire to do your will. Not my will be done, Lord. Yours. God uses people will cry out to him, I desire to do your will. Isaiah 6 verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? Reference to the Trinity. Whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Who wants to put their hand up tonight? Here I am, send me. Is anybody brave enough to put their hand up? Here we are, Lord, send us. But it will be individually. Who wants the desire to do God's will? I can't see you, actually. So, but who desire, wants the desire to do God's will? I desire to do your will, God! And we need to continually be prepared... And it's difficult because there's so many demands and pressures and the spirit of the age and all of those things. I'm not saying it's easy. It is not easy. It's difficult. We have to stab ourselves to death every morning. We lay our life down on the altar. A living Every day, a stabbing to death. We have to somehow break out of the trap of comfort. Matthew 19, 29. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Fantastic promises. I'm going to finish. Two things. Two things God decides. 
about what we do, about leadership, about calling, about where we go. Two things God decides. Somebody else said this, not me, but it's good. Two things God decides, anointing and timing. They're God's. The anointing and the timing, that's Him. Two things that we decide, our attitude, our availability, in other words, our motives and our heart, and training. Are we willing to give ourselves to be trained and prepared so when the moment comes, the anointing and the timing comes, we're ready. Although we'll never be ready, there'll always be that leap of faith, that jump off the cliff, that goodness me, I can't do it. But you can, because God's calling you to it. Father, help us, I pray. Lord, anything that I've said that's not of you, please bring it to my attention, elders' attention. But that which is of you, God, I pray, would you let it take root into our hearts. Can we just stand for one moment? And can we allow, if you want to, God to just, can we do business with God just where you are? Lord, here I am, send me. I want to change. I want to be a leader. I want to be part of this extraordinary mission that's been planned and purpose for this beautiful church. And it's going to require great men and women of God that don't even realize they're great women and men and women of God and children of God and young men and young women and old men and old women of God to fulfill it. But here I am, Lord, send me. I'm willing, God, to be available. If that's you, just I quietly say, I'm willing to be available and I'm willing to be trained. And I trust you, Lord, for the anointing and timing. And God, I desire to be your work. 